Podcast Starts. Hello, everybody. Welcome, if this is your first time listening to us. And welcome back. If you're a returning listener, thanks for sticking with us. This podcast talks about horror. Horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about, just because that's who we are. Our discussions aim to be fun, intelligent, and hopefully useful if your interest in horror text comes from a creative or academic perspective, but be warned, we do tend to swear occasionally, and if it's anything less offensive than the C word, it won't get bleeped. So... We are probably not safe for your work, if you are still going into work. In this episode, we're going to be showing our love for True Blood. Now, there are certain podcasters who introduce themselves by subverting a line of dialogue or a reference to the show that they're going to be talking about. I would certainly never do that, but I just want to tell you that I wouldn't have the sense to pour piss out of a boot. I'm T.D. Velasquez, but you can call me Dan. I'm in Oldham. (laughs) And... This week, <laughs> I have the pleasure of being joined by Stella in Manchester, and I want to lick your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Spooky. <laughs> no, I'm Dan. What are you talking about? Sucky. It's like Bill was here, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's always like when you're here, Ian. Welcome. That's Ian Winterton in Cheshire. And finally, we have. Uh, Kirsty Warrow in Shropshire um, and please remember that I can rip your throat out if I need to Wow! Noted yep, Absolutely <laughs> We are all keeping a safe distance So uh, a word to the listeners we've got a slightly less than usual recording time tonight so we're going to bypass our usual newsy discussion and go straight into the main body of, of the conversation um, Well I suppose we can quickly say hello everyone are you all alright? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think, I'm tired, but I'm all right. I think we're all we're all mildly suffering from different kinds of work related stress. But this yes. conversation about true blood will um certainly be something that will help us all, I think, to just relax. I feel like I've just been dug up. So it's, uh... hey. so, and all the bigs of uh, as they call it, inside baseball for the listeners. I think that's a reference that entirely comes to me through podcasts, but it's probably to do with American TV. I don't even really know. Um, but anyway, the, we're going to be talking about the whole of True Blood here, although I've only seen the first series and Ian hasn't seen the last couple. True Blood ran for, I think, seven seasons from 2008. Yeah. Um and we are going to struggle to completely avoid spoilers. We're going to try and avoid big ones. That we'll probably accidentally reveal some small things, and if we are going to uh, about to reveal something major, we will certainly announce it in advance so that you can turn the podcast off if you haven't seen it yet. For any listeners who may be unfamiliar with the show, it's best described as a prime slice of southern gothic TV romance horror. Um, it revolves around a character called Sucky Stackhouse, played by Anna Paquin. She's a waitress in the fictional Louisiana town of Bon Tom, and the show depicts her romantic entanglements and other complications with vampires and a number of other supernatural elements. The One of the main conceits of the show is that in this world, vampires have integrated into society and become a, an open and known 
kind of minority in society due to the invention of synthetic blood or true blood as it's called which allows them to feed without having to harm or kill human beings. You get some impression of the sarcastic tone the show takes when mixing horror tropes with romance in the fact that the name Bon Tombe is actually French for good times. Just let me have just one beer tonight, Jesus. What the hell is this music? Man, I cannot wait to get the hell out of this podunk town. Well, make sure you do, and before it's too late, because every year you wait, you just get more and more stuck here. Believe me, I know. How'd she know what I was thinking? That's weird. <laughs> I'll get you all some ketchup. Guess what happened tonight? You got a date. Um, no. A vampire came into the bar. You know how many people are having sex with vampires these days? You would be surprised. People you know. Sometimes those people disappear. Apparently, there's this vampire bar in Treeport. Fantasia. Fantasia? He set up a date with a vampire? What do you have, a death wish? You look like vampire bait. So are you saying you think I look nice? Vampires think about one thing, and one thing only. Drinking your blood. I think we need to stop seeing each other. What are you? I told you. I'm a waitress. The reason we're doing this podcast is that um, Ian, Stella and Kirsty all love this show. Um, I therefore watched one season of it, and I love that one season, um, but I've only seen the one season. So I, I think the experts in the room can, can take over from me. I'm just going to do l- mostly listening, I think. Um, yeah, and I think the best person to kind of talk about the True Blood and introduce the concept of it is Stella, if that's all right, Stella. Oh. <laughs> can you fill us in on the background yeah. to the show, please? Yeah, so... Um, well, it's based on uh, Charlene Harris's novels, isn't it? Uh, what they're called, Southern Vampire Mysteries. Yeah. And the showrunner was Alan Ball, and he'd worked at HBO before on Six Feet Under, which is also great if you fancy another series to get your teeth into. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, Alan Ball signed a two-year agreement with HBO to develop and produce an original series, and in a very romantic uh, sort of fashion he happened upon the novels and he read one of them and was like oh this is brilliant I need to develop this so he did that pitched it to HBO they shot a pilot that was well received and then the first full series was ordered I think that's sort of how it came about in that you know Alan Ball was already in with with the HBO CEOs and what they wanted but in terms of it being a vampire show on on television HBO is a premium subscription service, so it, and importantly for HBO, they own all their content, so that's a stipulation of anything that they make. They want to own everything, so they want they want full control while at the same time doing their what's been emulated ever since. It's you know their hands off approach to give full creative autonomy. You can do what you like, make it as sexy and as violent as as you like. And since 1996, HBO have been 
sort of tagging themselves as it's not TV, it's HBO. So they've always been saying, you know, we're we're different from television. We're not your bog standard average TV. And um, there's a scholar called Tricia Dunleavy uh, in America, and she writes some great books about TV. But she sort of sums up what HBO does by saying they do serious drama, which refers less to the content, but more to the treatment of a given subject. So HBO do things, they do subjects for TV that have, they've been done before, but they just do it in a HBO kind of way. So um, like the crime drama that's been done on TV before, but then HBO had The Wire. We've got the Western that had been on TV before, then HBO does Deadwood. So they're both TV staples, but dealt within what I guess you call this HBO way and they're more complex and they're more layered so the vampire drama is not new to television either We've got dark shadows and buffy of course that's all salute buffy mm-hmm. um but true blood sort of brought the vampire out of its relatively clean television persona the vampires on tv before true blood they just when they were destroyed they'd disappear in a flash of light which i think was what was in dark shadows or they'd be burnt to ash or smoke because that's all the networks would afford and then True Blood comes along with the true death and you've got that big exploding moment where the vampires just burst everywhere. And it's, it's just, when I first saw that, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. The word I would use to describe a, vamp- a dead vampire in True Blood is viscous. <laughs> yeah. Viscous, yeah. yes. Yeah. Very, very viscous. <laughs> yeah. oh, the only so other exploding vampires I can think of are in The Lost Boys, of course, when uh, oh. those vampires go up big time, don't they? I don't remember. It's quite quite stringy in True Blood, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then, so there's just one more thing I wanted to sort of add into opening the discussion on True Blood and how it's how it is a different vampire series for TV. There's another writer called Godu, and she said. Um, the TV vampire series used to be a place of repression and secrets where the true nature or the situation of the monster is not really seen. It's always sort of hidden in undercurrents of other things. So in Buffy, it's hidden in the teen drama, for instance. But then in True Blood, with all its gore and sex and excess, is a place where all that TV previously repressed with the vampire stories is overtly on display. And then uh, Lorna Jowett and Stacey Abbott, who are amazing TV horror writers... They have a lovely quote about True Blood. And they said, It brings to bear all the elements and meanings and themes of the genre in a spectacular display of excess, using the vampire as a means to push the boundaries of TV by placing all of the text and the subtext of the genre out in the open on our TV screens like never before. And I think that sums up True Blood in the best possible way because it's all the possible things that you could read into things like Buffy if you put a little bit of effort into it. But with True Blood, it was just it was just guns out, tits out, all there, blood out, and it was it was and it still is one of my most favourite favourite things it's in the great. whole wide world. And I love Eric. <laughs> <laughs> that, that quote oh, was wow. academic academic speak for it's not it's not very clever and it's not very subtle, but it's really fun. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. so so good. Oh, it's, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant show. Yeah, I'd just like to follow up on a couple of the things that you said there, Stella. One, one, I think that the the first quote that you gave about the fact that um, things which are normally vampires are normally cloaked in shadow, but in True Blood they're, they're yeah. out in the open. Well, that very much sums up the the central concept. Of True Blood, isn't it? That vampires have come out of the closet. It's like come people out. know they're yeah. there now. Um, so therefore, yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of an open playing coffin. field. 
to ex- yes, yeah. they come out of the coffin. Yeah, he's such they're, a good friend. Out of the, yeah. the other thing I wanted to say is that you were talking about the kind of tr- uh, the the HBO house style, which they apply mm. to, to any drama. Um, yeah, the way I sum that up immediately, although there's much more depth to it than this, but yeah, it's there's lots of swearing and there's lots of boobs. Yeah, like Game of Thrones or Game of Boobs. <laughs> when I was watching True Blood, I did think, gosh, I haven't seen this many boobs in the TV series since <laughs> Westworld. <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> HBO, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's been used as a kind of, like in the American trade and entertainment press, there's that, the phrase that like, HBO style drama has sort of become a shortcut to critical meaning that if something's been described as a HBO style drama, you kind of know what you're going to what you're gonna get. Mm. It's, it's going to be violent, it's going to be sweary, mm. it's going to be booby. It's just, it's become this sort yeah. of parlance in... This easy way of explaining what a show yeah. might even be. Their, even their comedy is HBO comedy. I was, yeah. I was remember that episode of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm where they're discussing because it's so meta. They're discussing wh- wh- which network they want to uh, <laughs> place their new their new show with, and they're like, I don't want to go with Fox. I don't like their politics. What about HBO? Yes, I want it to be a comedy where <laughs> I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sorry, Dan, I've just given you some work. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Bleep. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> I guess I'll have to find some way of bleeping that out, but point well made. Um, Kirsty, I want to come to yeah. you next because I know that you love this show and I, yeah. I, I want you to to shine some light on that. Oh, okay. Come Again, on. no pun intended. <laughs> couple yeah. of things with it. Um, so I read, um, so there are 13 books in the Charlene Harris's. Wow. Southern Vampire Mysteries, I have read them all. Um, wow. I well, I mean, they're, 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 they're very easy to read, though, I want to say, is they're not, you know, we're not looking at kind of high literature. They're very consumable. Um, and I think the the, the the show did a really good job of uh, sort of translating the tone of the of the, the books into uh, on onto the screen. Um, I think for me, the, you know, yes, it is very HBO, but I, what I find interesting about it or particularly appealing, and this, I think this taps into Stella's comment about Eric, is that it's, you know, unlike a lot of um, HBO content, which, you know, plays very much towards a more male demographic, this, this mm. clearly plays to a more female or queer demographic. Um, and it's you know so it doesn't sh- you know yes there are boobs there are many boobs but it doesn't shy away <laughs> from objectifying pretty much anybody on screen who is no good looking um yeah. and there <laughs> are a lot of them yes yeah yeah um yeah. so you know so that was you know something that felt i think um you know in kind of 2008 kind of uh, it, it felt felt like i know i know twilight is not the you know the unproblematic thing um but it's mm. felt like in tw- in 2008 there was a, a kind of a little bit of a move more towards a kind of female gazy aesthetic in kind of popular mm. culture and true blood was part of that um mm. yeah and then i also think obviously we talk about the idea of the kind of vampire and it is but you know kind of holistically um true blood is much more than just a vampire story we you know we have yeah. you know maynards and werewolves and fairies and and yeah <laughs> and all sorts of kind of creatures who end up being part of this sort of fabric of uh the you know the the, the dergesis um that's think- true although i found it surprising because i didn't know that in advance and 
for the first eight yeah. episodes or so of the first season, it's like the only supernatural thing about this world are the vampires. Yeah. And then that changes quite quickly. Although, although I mean, you know, Suki's set up from, from the outset as having... Oh, that's true. Gone. Sorry, yes. But, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I just... And I, I kind of liked the way that the film... Is, the film, the, the show is kind of... It's, it's an allegory, isn't it, for kind of a contemporary America in lots of different ways in terms of kind of fusion of cultures and people. Um, yeah. And a kind of, you know, an unrestrained and unapologetic kind of campness in terms of, you know... Um, expression of identity, um, which yeah, it's for all of those reasons I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's there's I can't find a single fault with it though. I'm sure. <laughs> Ian, off you go. <laughs> well, I think we've come to Ian, and yeah, I, I don't know. Just in case the listeners didn't say, catch... I, I do, I do love it, and I love it to the point where I stopped watching it early on in season six. So why um, was that? Well, we could sort of get onto that. I think. A, it felt a bit tired. B, and then what finished me off was it had the gas chamber al- allegories, which made me go, mm. whack, whack, don't like. Um, mm. It was all a bit hugely crass. Um, you'll, you'll get onto that <laughs> later, but they basically have, you know, they have the people that don't like vampires turn into sort of anti-vampire Nazis, and it gets a bit offensive for my money. Um, right. And and that coupled with, I think it lost its way in terms of, in terms of the essence of it is is Bill and Sucky being an item, mm. and they stop being an item. Spoilers, yeah. but um, yeah, and but I, and I think I think Eric for a bit. I, know, <laughs> I mean, I know, what's I know. the problem here? <laughs> I know. Um, doesn't she does she have a fling with Alsa? Yeah, yeah. Well, well it, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, I the part of the reason. <laughs> That I like True Blood is like I mean, just think if you think about you know kind of um, Buffy and 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 Twilight and those, those kind of the, the you know kind of vampire romance narratives. So they're always about a, a mortal girl and a vampire mm. in whatever description, even though the mortal oh. girl is often special. Is that that you, you know the kind of the locus of what makes it special is often that relationship, and that relationship is kind of prized amongst above all else. Um, and what I liked yeah. about True Blood, both the books and and the show, is that it doesn't do that. You know, kind of, mm. Suki is quite capable of going, you know what, Bill? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, yeah. no. I think that makes it more interesting because it's not about prizing, you know, the type of relationship, which is often quite possessive and abusive, as we've documented before. Yes. Um, well, she still, she still does that thing as well. It still comes down to... A, she's doing the thing that they they always seem to do, whether from Twilight or Dracula, mm-hmm. choosing between a, a bastard and 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 the you know and and the nice guy. Yeah. So she's doing that between two vampires, and then like in Twilight, it's like, shall I shall I have sex with the zombie man or the werewolf? <laughs> yeah, you've got that going on as well. Necrophilia, obviously. Which is the Twilight <laughs> dynamic? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you know, but, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I don't think it's, it's as, it's yeah, as I, central. I, I can see why everyone yeah. likes Eric. So, uh, <laughs> Kirsty's <laughs> giving a big nod there. Nodding, um, nodding, nodding. I'll tell you what, I, I liked a bit like when we talked about what we do in the shadows. I, I mm. found it a really affecting series just because all of the characors uh, were c- connected with me emotionally. Mm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you yeah. know, even like the, the guys in the bar. I mean, a lot of TV shows historically are based around a bar or a club or something, you know, a social place where people will, will gather. And I think the use of, of Merlot's bar, which is where Suki works in this mm. show... It's just so lovely. You you got to enjoy going there. It always has exactly the same people in it. Um, the the staff are always exactly the same. You like you always like seeing everyone. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know there is a, there is like a murder mystery element to the first series, mm. and obviously you know that it's going to turn out to be one of the characters in that bar, and you don't want it to be any of them because you like them all mm. for different reasons. Yeah. Um, mm. And and I remember in the episode where you do find out who it is, I I just went, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and I think for, for me, one of the, the 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 great joys of this of of, of True Blood um, is just a lot that you know it, it's a HBO thing. Is it? It has lots of characters, and you know it's a kind of broadly ensemble piece. But like even the smaller characters, they're all so bloody good and lovable and mm. just so distinctive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like Andy. Hello, oh, Andy Bell. Yeah, oh, the detective. His cousin, who's is it his cousin who's back from the war has got PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's great. And he's just yeah. and he's just adorable. Yeah, and kind of, yeah, and, ah. point, and um Pam. <laughs> I love Pam. Yeah. yeah. Love Pam. I love Pam. And Tam, Yeah. And, I mean they're just they're just they're amazing and, and Oh no, no, it's um it also also I think because of its tone, like trying to work in a way, trying to Maybe the sort of uh, Holocaust mm. allegories aside, trying to worry about the ins and outs of it is probably mis- to miss the point of uh, of it's 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 basically really really well made self knowing mm-hmm. trash, isn't it? Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's and that's what's so good about it because yeah. it's so. It's, I'm I am going to go and watch season six and seven just because now I know it's finished. But when a see when a show is ongoing and you're losing faith with it. And there's so many yeah. other things to watch. I kind of, I kind of went, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna duck out of this. Yeah. Um, and then now, then you know how many episodes you've got. It's a bit like, well, maybe I can go back to it now. Yeah. Maybe I'll leave it. I, yeah. I heard it kind of turns it around. I know you guys never lost love of it, but other people, a lot of people, agreed with me on season. Yeah. Six. No, I, I think there's, I'm, I'm, I think it, it's probably about the same time that you lost faith with it in where I, Alan Ball has stepped away as showrunner. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that. I wrote that down. He left, he left at yeah. the end of season yeah. five. So six and seven yeah. are not not his. Yeah. Somebody else. And I think you yeah. definitely totally sort of feel that, and it does. Mm. Yeah. It's, there's, there's, a, there's a step in some shows where they go, we are what we are, and then they lose something, and they become like a soap opera in the worst possible sense. Even though you yeah. can be really good trash, and know what you are, but if you start becoming we are treading water now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even said the reason they stopped it with high ratings on season seven is we've done all the stories. Mm-hmm. And I think what they mean is season six and seven have been, haven't touched seasons one to five. Yeah. And I don't know, because yeah. lots of people who loved it and then lost love, lost faith of it said they they got their love back in the last season as well. So that's, that's always made yeah. me want to. I, think, I, think, I don't know how yeah. true that is. How, I mean... You said you said you said you were. I mean, are you? Do you like the way it ended without spoiling it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got. It's not. It yeah. doesn't do a Dexter and like really. No, it it, it, it has. 
in 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 some ways a very ungeneric ending that mm-hmm. type of show which you know yeah. is it, it, it yeah it's i don't want to say anymore but <laughs> yeah, again again without spoilers because i remember when book 13 came out i've not read any of the books um but alan ball i read just described them as crack he said he said <laughs> crack and he just devoured yeah. them and went let's put this crack on the screen yeah. and and that's kind of what he does yeah um but i remember it being in the news like charlene harris got almost i don't think she got death threats but she had almost almost stephen king misery level backlash from her readers yeah of what she did in season 13 Without spoiling it, I mean, do you like book 13, for instance? No. No. <laughs> no right. No. Because you got such no. hatred. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. People are out there writing their own book 13. Well, it, so it, it, it didn't end. This official. The, I, don't, I don't think that, from what I remember, though, it's been a very long time since I, I watched. I mean, I remember the ending of the show much more strongly than I remember the ending mm. of the books, but I remember being really disappointed and at that point I think I'd started reading the books after the show had started so I think I kind of mm. went to read the books after the the show um and I remember I think you know kind of ending having read the last book before seeing the finale of the show or seeing the last season of the show just thinking oh please don't go there please don't and it <laughs> no. you know it didn't um but the, yeah there were kind of some elements of it that I think were kind of in the book but she wrote the last book long after years after the show finished, didn't she? Well, no, that, that came out in um, I think two thousand and thirteen. I think it was. I was. I was looking at this earlier. I think I read it just, you know, in the year before. Yeah. It, and I remember so, waiting for it to come out, the book to come out. Oh uh, right. Yeah. So there are yeah, similarities yeah. between the end of the show and the. End of the book. Yes, but not not. Then I don't think they're around the things that annoyed readers, the readers particularly. But I might. I, like I said, mm. it's been a while since I've read it, so yeah, um, yeah. Because one of the biggest changes I fully approve of, and I think everyone, this is well common knowledge anyway, is that Lafayette in the books gets killed pretty early, doesn't he? And and in the in the TV show, they went well. That would be silly. That would be so silly. Doing, like, He's such a yeah, yeah I mean, he's he's definitely like, other than Anna Paquin's hot pants, he's the best. <laughs> he, is the best th- he is the best thing in. Uh, yeah, he is yeah. the best character. It's just not about the male gaze at all, True Blood, but Anna Paquin's hot pants. <laughs> all I can I remember say about we should... the whole. <laughs> <laughs> the whole <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But we should make a special mention of Nelson yeah. as he played Lafayette because he did yeah. sadly die oh, no. in two thousand seventeen. <laughs> Um, I didn't know that. Lafayette, despite yeah. you know the, all the cast and all the incredible characters and all the great minor characters, and it's 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 Lafayette's lines, it's Lafayette's attitude to the whole thing that made me yeah, laugh yeah. the yeah, yeah. most. I think he is the, he's the emotional he's, heart of it, isn't it? And it's sort of following yeah. him through. Yeah. Is, and also, also in terms of his attitude to all, everything is just perfect. Yeah, black, black and gay, on a on a you know. On, on a really fun, trashy horror thing. We yeah, kind of take yeah. it for granted, as HBO does with all these things. Mm. It just it feels like it's always existed, and then you kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Yeah. It's really new when you look I, at it. And oh, and Lafayette is a totally, totally new TV creation. 
Oh yeah. Don't get although, many characters like that before him. You know, we should give HBO credit because they broke that taboo first, didn't they? I mm. think with um, the character in the wire, who in the in the wire, whose yeah. name I'm completely blanking on, but he's Barack Obama's favorite fictional character, apparently. Oh, um, Omar. Omar, yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, although, so, yeah. although, although, um, does that predate? Um, uh, it was 2005. No, but does it predate? Um, oh, the uh, novels. Six, no, Six Feet Under, because Six Feet Under also has. Um, oh right. Not only just a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. I've never race, seen that. But also mixed race. You've never seen Six Feet Under. Down, oh my god. Down, 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 down. It's worth a look. Not in this podcast, maybe, but I would choose Six Feet Under over True Blood. If it, if, if <laughs> there was, if, kick him out of the It's the host. Yeah. We can't. <laughs> no, he's made you. He's made somebody else the host. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. It um, is very luckily, fine television. We don't live in that horrible world. No. but my God, six feet under. On that note, under, though, well, you see, my knowledge was, of was amazing. My knowledge of Alan Ball goes back to American Beauty, and I never went yeah. six feet under. Um, and and the voice is very recognisable. In fact, I was, I was surprised um, that every episode bar one of the first season is written and directed by Alan Ball, and you can tell. And there's one episode that isn't, and I just inst- I didn't notice the credits, and I just instantly thought, this feels a bit different, the humour is a bit broader. And I went back and it wasn't written or directed by him, it was actually directed by Michael Lehman, who I mentioned in my recommendations a few weeks ago, because I think he's a director who I'd like to go back and rediscover. Um, but I just think it's so strange that there's one episode out of the season that Alan Ball's... What, did he want, just want a week off or something? Maybe, well, maybe he had the flu. He wrote, yeah. he wrote the first three sort of on spec to, to, to get the gig. So he had three of them yeah. done in advance. Mm. Right. Um, and I guess from there... It's. Uh, I'm quite up for writing these. <laughs> yeah, it's a big um, job, though, isn't it? Writing and directing a television show, particularly oh, with yeah. that kind of budget, and you know. Yeah, yeah, that many episodes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So, Kirsty, how would you compare the voice of the author in terms of Charlene Harris's books versus the TV series? Is it is the TV series more Alan Ball or more? I think uh, it Charlene is Charlene Harris. I think it's okay. more Alan Ball, um, but I think they're kind of again they're kind of. The books aren't quite as overtly queer as as right. the TV show is, so I think that kind of campness um, very much kind of comes through um, in the TV show. Um, and oh, yeah. yeah, and I think I think if I remember rightly, although I've not ever should have looked at the book today, um, I think that for the um, the novels are broadly first person. Uh, <clears throat> I think. Uh, um, so obviously it kind of has that sort of slightly bigger scope um, television show um, yeah uh, yeah so but I think they, they kind of you know the, the trashy campy kind of you know that that tone is kind of in the book but it's just heightened in the in the TV show um, and it seems to kind of just go back to the, the the whole kind of critical reception of the uh, of the of True Blood which I thought was really interesting was okay. that because it very much felt for a bank kind of 12 months it was like True Blood is the best thing that HBO have got. And it seemed to be very much lauded and, you know, kind of Golden Globe, Emmy nomination, kind of AFI recognition for being just the best thing since sliced bread. Um, 
And then it was kind of, it was always like the, the kind of critical establishment went, oh my God, we've got a genre show that, that we can check awards at and let's do that. And then they were like, yeah. oh yeah, but it is just trash though, isn't it? <laughs> well i wanted to i've got a similar point and it's not necessarily kind of similar to the critical reaction but hbo have got such a wonderful canny smart pr machine that so around a third of american households um pay for hbo so that's not many really mm. But HBO has still sort of established itself as this really culturally significant object. So with The Wire and, um, you know, Oz and Sex and the City and Deadwood and True Blood and Game of Thrones and all these things that are really, really culturally significant. But only a third of Americans get HBO. So and then you've got um, characters from all their shows gracing the front covers of loads of magazines. So there's the famous Rolling Stone cover with Bill, Sucky and Eric and they're naked and they're all covered in blood and it's. Oh, yes. wonderful! <laughs> but it's like HBO and their content has become this thing that's that's really important and really culturally significant. Even though the majority of people, you know, ignoring illegal downloads, majority of people don't actually see this content. Mm. So it's it's a very they've put themselves in a maneuvered themselves in a very very smart position. I think it's kind of blurred and faded a bit now because we've got Amazon and, and Hulu and, and Netflix making stuff that's maybe more popularist but is you know as expensive say or as all these other ensemble pieces mm. but they've HBO particularly in the like, late 90s early mid 2000s maneuvered themselves into this position of we are this cultural touchstone that's super important but the majority of people have not seen mm. the content yeah. very interesting mm way that they managed it I've, I've yeah i mean that, i've seen comment. very little sorry yeah. i've seen so very little that. hbo stuff over the years i had to buy westworld on dvd mm. yeah. Bought, yeah i've noticed that we're making comments on facebook to american friends i kind of assume because hbo shows tend to really hit in the uk the yeah. and so the amount of times i've gone oh you're watching so and so oh no we don't get hbo it's expensive and they're not bothered it's it's about, it's, they've got enough to watch. I think <laughs> it's about it's eight eight ninety nine. Yeah, eight dollars ninety nine, and that's one channel. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it's like when you're paying a cable bill, you've probably got a Netflix subscription as well to pay for one mm. channel. Yeah. And because because of their eco- economic model is it's all subscription. They do have product placement on on some stuff. Sex in the City in particular is rife with it. And they own all their content, so they license it all out. So they've they've got several revenue streams as well as mm. their subscription. So then they've got a library of films that they that they own, right. and all of their other content is quite cheap to make. So lots of documentaries that are even more trashy. Mm. They occasionally show boxing matches and stuff. So they pump so much money into dramas and just have maybe one or two running at a time. Yeah. And then they're the tent poles, the flagships that hold up the whole mm. thing. And the rest of HBO, if you're just watching it, HBO all day, it's not it's not great. No, no, it's I just they'll, seeing have, it the, remember, they'll have Game of Thrones on or True Blood on, and that's like that's what HBO is yeah, doing. Yeah, I remember seeing it on the states, and it's very like it's like documentaries about lap dancers. Yeah, it's, be, it's mad. Seem to be true strippers. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, there's, there's so much there's so much trash on. Yeah, trash but, in, but, in between. Them. But their dramas all cerebral and impressive yeah. and intelligent and layered and complex, and it's like. How have you managed to do this? Yeah. The position that they've put themselves in is 
yeah, like such that, a really canny and now way that they've now they've it. moved into streaming with HBO Max, and that seems to be H- HBO Go, HBO Now. Is it not HBO Max? As, is it not HBO Max as well? Or is that they've got several options? Yeah. You can stream it in many different ways. Think, Nobody knows what they're I doing. They're panicking, to, probably. I think that's <laughs> starting to. I think their future is assured. Um, Doesn't look to be in any. to make more horror. That's what I want from them. It's like, well, you. True Blood was ages ago. I know. I want them to do a, a full on balls out horror. What, what, what do you What do you think <laughs> it would have been like? Because I always think um, Walking Dead always is a little bit. It's it's good, but AMC always have their. We can show lots and lots and lots and lots of gore, but oh, don't swear in your yeah. homosexual yeah, characters are from the nineteen fifties. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what you said before about the show sort of turning into a soap, that's definitely what's happened with The Walking Dead. Yeah. That's definitely just spinning its wheels now. But there are myriad business reasons why they're, they're carrying it on. Yeah, well, I'm so still they're... watching it, and I gave up with... Yeah, I'm still watching I gave it. up with True Blood, and I'm still watching Walking Dead. Um, technically, but they're I'm... not carrying it on, though, are they? So are they are stopping it. No, they're going to stop The Walking Dead. Fear The Walking Dead's carrying on. The films are in production. There's a spin-off at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on and on. It's it's franchise yeah. rather than yeah. yeah. We, can we come back to the True Blood though and talk about the yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no no just, the, Blood, just the, the kind of question of you know the, obviously a lot was it December that HBO announced that they're rebooting. Well, this Man. does seem the point yes. to bring that up. Yeah, you? and I do that. How, how do we just... feel about that? Well, it, like you know, I think like <laughs> Stella has sort of somewhat convinced me that that the remakes and reboots aren't necessarily bad, but I do just kind of feel like the show finished in 2014. Is it not a bit early? I like... No, is it definitely well, I mean, a reboot, different. not a continuation? Well, this it's. It's not, it's not clear. It's, no, it's it? not clear. But I'm, Alan Ball's on as, as executive producer. I know that much. But mm. but if it is a reboot, I just I I don't honestly don't have a problem with with reboots and you know. But it just it feels like <laughs> that it's not been you know again part of the it's not been in the ground long enough hey. <laughs> to really no. warrant. Like, Guess there's no yeah, nostalgia exactly, there. Yeah, 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 it's exactly. not been long enough. And yeah. also, I don't like all of the actors are not. I feel like you know they're not yet too old to feasibly come back and replay these characters i think mm. um and, and for me that's what you know <laughs> kind of one good reason to have a reboot is oh they're all much too old now so um, yeah, was... have, we, have we got any we've not really got any hints that i've seen of exactly what it's going to be other than because no. be. what i would be on board for would be like fear the walking dead as in same world different yeah, story. yeah yeah mm. like i'd be yeah. on board for Meanwhile in Moscow. Yeah. Or meanwhile in, you know, <laughs> <Random>. like <laughs> what what's cuz cuz it's very southern. What's true blood like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're a Washington vampire or a New yeah. York vampire. Yeah. Or or you're some or you I don't know. You know, true blood in Alaska. <laughs> I'd be 30 days yeah. at night, wouldn't it? Well, I guess so, yeah, yeah. But um which or is... maybe, when, like I said before, rather than rebooting True Blood, which obviously I'm going to be fine with, I think I would rather HBO make a new serialised yeah. horror. Mm. Yeah. I think. So if you're listening... HBO, which obviously they do. <laughs> HBO. Obviously they do. <laughs> I'm, sure there are, I'm sure there are many, many, uh, many uh, properties mm. that they could be. 
and do their magic on. I think what yeah. True Blood is seems to be an example of some of the best TV and films are based on very, very trashy books. Very trashy. Oh, I know what I'd like them to do. So if they are listening, I would like a serialised version of World War Z. Oh. Because the book's incredible and the film was... Nah. Yeah, the book was... The but the book is amazing, so, so serialise that. Yeah. More zombies. Someone, anyone. More zombies. I was going to say, does anybody really need more zombies at this point? I'm just... We better just get used to it. I think the, the yeah. flood is, is already happening. It's, there's no point resisting. Yeah. Well, there's going to be loads after pandemic oh. business, isn't there? There's, there's going to be zombie oh, resurgence too. <laughs> the return. Oh, gee. No, no, don't worry, Stella. You can be more optimistic than that. I'm sure lots of filmmakers will find all new ways to um, dully exploit the near apocalypse <laughs> hashtag songbird well, my, we'll talk about I that in the future Bay's film yet but they've already done it with Michael yeah. Bay haven't they well no well, I just What's said they'll, they'll find loads again? of different ways to do that but just none of them will be good it's called songbird style songbird songbird it's got such a shit I said it before and I can't remember it is it is it available it's for on Amazon. to watch yeah, I've watched yeah. it, so if you all watch it, we can have a chat. But oh, it's it's yeah, pretty right. painful. I gotta warn you. Is it? <laughs> uh, have you watched? Have you watched? Um, yeah. have you watched Greenland yet? Which is an action movie with an awful, awful shit title. Um, yeah, uh, I hear that's great. I haven't watched it. It's not great. <laughs> oh, is it not? Oh, um, well. Mark Kermode's raving about it. To, how does it compare to that? As a disaster movie, right? Well, it's not a disaster movie, so. Is it not? Oh, no, okay. it's 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 not. I mean, unless you count anything featuring the pandemic as a disaster movie, because that is a disaster. But is it people sitting but, on Zoom? Uh, partially. Oh, um, God. Not entirely, <laughs> but anyway, we're getting away anyway. from the fact. I don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through. I want to do bad things with you. Something I love very much about True Blood um, <laughs> is the, 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 the uh, as uh, Ian alluded to, the Southern American setting. And uh, I, I kind of, it felt really appropriate somehow that, that uh, we four had revisited Interview with the Vampire just a few weeks mm. ago. Because yeah. this felt like uh, a really nice kind of return to that world. I mean, I know that mm. in Interview with the Vampire, it kind of doesn't give you the impression that there are many vampires in America. It's just Louis and Lestat. But frankly, I'm not convinced that Louis and Lestat just aren't so stupid and self-obsessed that they just didn't notice <laughs> other vampires in the, in the country. Oh, the vampires saw them and were yeah. like, nah. So, yeah. um, and and in, a, in a way, um, apart from the fact He's that... He's the guy the, that lets, lets, lets the people he sires think they're the only vampires in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He's um, just gaslighting him the whole time. Apart from the fact that the vampires in Interview the Vampire Can Fly... I, I thought that you know this felt like it could almost be the same world. Yeah. And um, can't Eric? Doesn't Eric fly does, at yeah. one point? Well, I haven't seen yeah. all of it. Remember? Obviously. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And actually, as, as or maybe he does. <laughs> oh, maybe oh, yes. <laughs> Suspense <laughs> is returned. Really good at jumping. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we've said, as we've said, we've interviewed the vampire, and 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 this is one of the 
one of the weirdest things about True Blood. I mean, Alan Ball said it's not re- even though it's got the sort of allegory to gay rights. Um, he just he sort of said it's not that's not really the main impetus. It was it was more if it was set fifty years ago, people would go, oh, this is a bit like civil rights. Or if it's a hundred years ago, it's a bit like women's rights. That's just sort of there. It's it's America and people being intolerant. Of difference, and he said, but the main thing is primal urges, and mm. and he so he creates this world of how, what what do we do if if everything is permissible? Mm. Um, and one thing we and it's weird because actually that's one thing I said about True Blood is like who the fuck wouldn't be a vampire in the True Blood world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't even have to kill people, <laughs> yeah. and you get to fuck like a pneumatic. The way those the way those vampire men have sex is kind of ridiculous. They uh they look like horny dogs <laughs> banging away. Well, I suppose this was maybe my only disappointment in the first series was that quite early on you see a, a vampire sex scene where the guy kind of his muscles ripple and 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 he bulges in all directions. And I thought, my God, I'm going to see a lot more of this. And then I didn't. Yes. I mean, so I did. So I, I it's there waiting for me, is yeah. it, Stella? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that there's, you know, the the title sequence in terms of being a kind of a mission statement for kind of what the film, what, what the, what the show it. is. I think is really. God, it's amazing. Uh, it's a yeah. work of art. I know absolutely, but it just that you know the, I think one of the, the the thing that really sort of speaks to the the kind of tone of it and is really evocative um, is that you know the kind of southern you know kind of southern American setting that idea of the southern gothic and the kind of juxtaposition of you know kind of you know uh, evangelism and mm-hmm. you know the kind of devil and the you know the kind of wildness. Um, and the kind of hostility of natural world and the heat. It's for some, yeah. it's the only show that I've ever watched that I felt, and not 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 in the way that you're about to interpret, but physically <laughs> hot. As in, like it just feels. Yeah, I was saying that it makes you feel does, sweaty yeah, because it's, well, the, it's like, the sound. And the, they did actually, they, they did film film it in in Louisiana, so that it has yeah. you know. I bet, it, I bet it was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but it does. It is horrible with Bill Alexander Skarsgård wandering around, sweating and taking his shower. Oh yeah, Stella, that would have been torture. (laughs) (laughs) Does occur to me, Bill, the 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 main vampire protagonist in it, Bill, is played by Stephen Moyer, isn't he? Who is English or British? Yeah, yeah. Um, So he was probably pretty much suffering. Also. I think one of the reasons why I've not watched True Blood before is that I always kind of slightly resented it because it's a vampire thing with Stephen Moyer because he was one of the main vampires in Ultraviolet, that yeah. Channel 4 series from the late 90s. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah. and, which, you know, and I, I'd spent 10 years waiting for them to make another series of that. Mm. And, and then they didn't, <laughs> but another vampire thing came along starring him and I felt slightly <laughs> resentful. Bottom. And he rocks up in Louis. In to be honest, can I make a slight criticism here? And I just, like, honestly, I'm saying this with all love for the show. Is he doesn't work for me as Bill? All oh, right. <laughs> I've never, okay. Really... Um, I mean, he's. Pr- 
I, yeah. I would, yeah. but <laughs> I'd be thinking yeah. about it. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like from from season, I mean, obviously, Danny don't know yet, probably because mm. Eric doesn't feature hugely in season one, doesn't he? No, um, but he becomes much more. It's like it's a no-brainer, <laughs> right? Really. When he cuts oh, his hair and turns up in the department like... store in the tracksuit. Well, I do feel so like cute. she's choosing between her dad and Eric. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of seems, I mean, he, obviously, obviously, he's 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 obviously he's two hundred years old or whatever. Yeah. Impossibly ancient American vampire he is. I remember the Civil War. I thought was really lovely actually about the first episode, which is the kind of you know, the dealing with the kind of practicalities and the kind of implications of having people having vampires be like, angst. Real estate yeah, and stuff. But also like, yeah, the yeah. kind of well, you know, like um uh Adele, bless her, Suki's grandma, is just adorable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Lois Smith. Oh, yeah, could he, could he come and talk to our kind of, you know, our historical society? Civil War yeah. society, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And then Bill's yeah, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, but... but you would, though, wouldn't you? You would invite them. You'd tell us about your life. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. By the way, just yeah. don't bite me. I'll go For... on then. Yeah. After years of only reading about this show, I thought that the lead character's name was Suki, but yeah. from for Stephen Moyer's pronunciation, I know that it's actually Sukia. <laughs> Sukia. He, he like introduces an extra syllable into the last yeah. bit of it somehow. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, when I watched it, because I got it on DVD and I, I smashed through the whole thing one after the other, and my internal monologue developed the accent of everybody in True Blood, and I couldn't stop. Just couldn't turn it off for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. I just I just thought in that accent, and I did quite enjoy it. It did go away eventually, but that was fun. Wow. And I kept doing impressions of of Lafayette and various other characters just in and around my house, and it was driving driving Owen crazy for a while. But I did I, just I did stop. stop. Okay. <laughs> that was when I was deep watching it. But yeah, I'm just wandering around the house shouting about V juice and. Going to Fantasia. Yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, it, I mean, it is obviously it's trash, so it's 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 good fun, and I do think the fact is why why isn't the whole world just turned into a vampire? Because hey, vampires are cool, and we get to live forever. Let's all be vampires. I yeah, didn't, so I was almost going. It would come down to everyone just going, "Hey, mm. let's let's grow our hair and go crazy." Um, hippies versus the only reason not to be one is if you're uptight, religious, conservative twat. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so I guess it, I guess it kind of works on that the two Americas mm. bit as well. Yeah, because yeah. if you're if you're on the conservative side, then you're going, oh my god, this is hell. The devil's taken over. They're fornicating, and they're going to fornicate forever. <laughs> and, oh and, and they look yeah. like they're having really good. Um, and the world, like, yeah. Well, on the other hand, forever, everybody else gets gets to stay young and sexy, and they'll just get old and have to have kids, and, and yeah. to keep the old traditions going. Um, yeah, yeah. And the vampires don't want everyone to be vampires because they they're gonna want to feed on yeah. people that's sometimes. True, yeah, actually, because they like well, yeah, well, that's the their own. The true blood drinks whole, just like being the tension that comes you know, in is that true blood. You know, the cure for vampirism is an insult. Um, mm. That kind of comes into it, doesn't it, with the authority and everything? Yeah. And the... 
Oh, do you know what I wish I'd got? They sold bottles of it for a while, didn't they? And it was blood orange juice. <laughs> so you could get the, the glass bottles with blood orange juice in it. And I, I, I think I came to True Blood when it had been on for a few years. So that mm. bit of sort of memorabilia was already yeah. well well past being sold and gone. But yeah, I was gutted mm. when I found out that I could have had, yeah. had that. Oh no! Yeah. Now then, Kirsty, yeah. I know that you wanted to talk about the ending of the show. All I wanted to say about it was how, how it really was how ungeneric it was, really, and I think mm. that you know that the in t- particularly and again, this is not a spoiler, particularly in terms of the kind of traditional female arc mm-hmm. in this type of narrative, it doesn't quite you know it doesn't serve up what you expect. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah. 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 Did it disappoint in the way that, I guess, the Sopranos ending disappointed people in that it was a work, it was an amazing masterpiece of an episode, and loads of people went, what no, the fuck no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, the ending felt fairly kind of, you know, in terms of the the, the main characters, everything was pretty mm. much kind of left in a particular place that was fairly, mm-hmm. I think was meant to be read as sort of this is where we leave them and that's okay mm. you know yeah okay so oh well that's yeah, yeah. something that to look something. forward to then yes um yeah yeah i don't i don't need so, to i don't definitely. need to be any more specific than that really you don't uh, no okay. i'm definitely going to go so, and watch it now so we'll uh where's it for uk viewers it's on now tv at the moment that's, it's on oh, now TV, oh, that's yeah. oh amazing well that's great Sorry. news because i have yeah. that the whole, the whole didn't series is on there. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, in that case, that's only recently come to Now TV. No, it was been on on and off there for a while. It it, it appears and reappears. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what like, happens. Some of, so, well, yeah. Well, straight yeah, up, it is there, all there. It I'm is all there. I'm gonna have my tea and watch watch episode yeah, one of season six and get. Oh, wait, get up in. We're having VT. I'm having a bloody steak, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, oh, really. Uh, prepared by Lafayette. Um, <laughs> just sensing that, that you know, we, we've only got a certain amount of time left. I think we should spend yeah. the, the, the last chunk of the episode just talking about any and all things that are wonderful about this show that we may not have already touched on. I uh, think we have to talk for a minute about Jason. That was my quote at the start. I want to lick your mind when he's with Amy in the first series. Um, My my quote was an insult to him by Sookie as well. Uh, (laughs) You don't have enough sense to to pour piss out of a boot. Yeah, he is so stupid. He's he's adorable. Yeah. 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 He has a. uh... I think. (laughs) <laughs> the thing which won me over with him very early on was that he's yeah he's completely stupid but he has a certain self-awareness about how stupid he is i think he's he, yeah he knows when he's been into integrated by the cops at the start and they say maybe you you did this but made it look like you did that or somebody else did it and he just pauses and then goes i ain't smart enough to do that and that they just have this <laughs> moment where they look at each other and go yeah that's right actually yeah fair enough <laughs> um, no he's my favourite Jason moment is in the first series when he's he wants uh, an advance on a new vial of V-juice, so Lafayette gets him to dance for his uh, porno YouTube yeah. channel, and he won't do it, so he puts that mask on, and he's in these those <laughs> tight briefs, and he's dancing around, 
Oh my god! He's very enthusiastic <laughs> so good. with his dancing. Once he he's is. got the mask on, he really lets himself yeah, he's all, go. He's all yeah. right. Yeah. And Tara sees it, doesn't she? She's like, <laughs> Tara's, Tara's a great character as well. Yeah. She is. Yes. The, yeah. the whole subplot in the first season that I won't spoil about her mother's exorcism is just great. <gasps> yes. Well. Yeah. 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 Satan in a Sunday hat. I love that phrase. It comes up quite a bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, no, yeah I mean, that, like, like you were saying, there were so many, all the characters, big and small, are mm. just so well drawn. And they're mm-hmm. all, you know, it's it's got that in common with Buffy as well in that mm. yeah. every so often some shows come along that you just kind of love everyone in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's weird that Buffy, Buffy, which is also vampires, kind of makes me think. There's not many shows that do that. I guess Stranger Things is a recent one that's got that Buffy quality for me, where you kind of love everybody that's mm. in it. Um, but, um, but yeah, True, True Blood is... It, 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 it just, I just, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that it, that it uh, didn't, that it, you know, it didn't quite keep it, didn't quite keep it up. It needed a bit of V-juice to keep it up to the end, I think, <laughs> is how, how it feels. V-juice. Maybe I'm completely wrong and season seven will just blow me away. Once we've got the... Once you've got the Nazi death camp plot line out of the way, because I hate that. Mm. Did um, Alan do. Ball never come back? No. No. Okay. No, but he, he didn't leave under a shadow or anything. It wasn't like... Because the one I always think of that's recent was when Frank Spotnitz sort of got put shoved out of Man in the High Castle, and that turned to dog shit. Um, still very enjoyable dog shit, but it was oh, yeah, nowhere, yeah. nowhere no, near no. as good. No. Nowhere near as We want to talk about endings. Bad. Oh, oh no. I, I I don't tweet I don't tweet very often in anger, but I t- I tweeted very angrily after I watched that. It was like, oh, you bastards! What a bunch of oh, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> right. Why did you Why did you spoil the good thing? Uh, <laughs> it was just rubbish, wasn't it? By the way, I'm just going to say this because I'll never have it. an excuse to mention this again. But uh, Ian and I uh, were involved in a couple of shows year before last. Um, kind of, which were short plays, playing on, uh, you know, popular old classic British sitcoms, and uh, our friend Sean wrote one which was Dad's Army, but set in a world in which the Nazis won the war, yeah. and uh, and he called it Mannering in the High Castle. <laughs> oh God! It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I got, to, a, I got to do. It was for Halloween thing. Though. I got to do Step to and Son as a zombie, as a, in the zombie apocalypse, which nice. actually I think worked really well. Yeah. Which was called Rag and Brains, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Rag and Brains. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the only one I didn't see, though. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> anything else we want to say about True Blood? Oh, I just want to mention something that um, I was kind of watching out for. Which was, um, uh, you know, hands up. I think you guys are all aware of it. Maybe the, all the listeners aren't. I'm a Star Trek fan, and I noticed that the casting director on True Blood was the same casting director as Star Trek had in the 90s. So I thought, ooh, which Star Trek actors are going to turn up? And there are a, a few in small roles. But then towards the end of season one, Michelle Forbes walks on as Marianne. And. She's got like a tradition of walking into a genre series, 
becoming the best thing in it and fucking off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she yeah. did it in Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation. She did it in Battlestar Galactica. Um, and she, well, I mean, I don't really know what happens to her because she comes in towards the end of season one. And that, that, she's, she's fantastic, fantastic but, yeah, in season but, two. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but only, season but two. Yeah, yeah. Season two <laughs> only. But in I season remember, two, she, she's the gem of season right, two. I think I'm going to have to watch season two at least. Um, yes. I, and I do yeah. remember she gave an interview around the time where she said, I've done lots and lots of genre TV over the years. And to be honest, I've never got it before. I just don't get it. And I love that she's such a good actor that it doesn't matter <laughs> that she doesn't really understand what she's in. She's just great. Yeah, yeah. But she said, however, true blood, I get that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yay. But I mean, I think one of the great things about the show as well is is obviously all the casting of the kind of the, the, the you know, the kind of regular sort of year on year, but also, you know, actors like Michelle Forbes and then Dennis O'Hare as well in season, yes. is it season three? Yes. Season, that was before he went on to American Horror, wasn't it? Yeah. So that yeah. kind of got him. Yeah. He was he amazing. Was Russell yeah. Edgington, isn't he? And, and, oh, and so Evan good. Rachel Wood, who seems, somehow oh, yeah. gets lost in all of... <laughs> the, the greatness of true <laughs> but she's also there yeah. as queen um queen sophia she's the queen um yeah yeah so some just absolutely brilliant you know kind of... i didn't know who evan rachel uh wood was till westworld and now i realize now all this stuff's come out about uh um what's his face yeah let's not mention his name but we know yeah no, no. Not mention his brain. the man who makes shit music anyway <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know why anybody likes him anyway. But yeah, yeah. So if I was more tapped into that world, I would have known who she was millions of times. Mm. Um, but, uh, no, because I, I do remember she turns up wonderfully in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. And, but, because but, of this, uh, yeah. I, she's a reference yeah. to this, yeah. But I, I didn't know that she'd done a vampire yeah. thing, but you know. Um, also, um, uh, who is the other one I was going to mention? Oh, but my mind's gone blank. I was going to mention another actor, but somebody else say something because I can't think what I was going to say. Well, I was going to say one of my favourite things, and this this is this is pure male gaze stuff. But I really love Jessica as a character. Um, yeah, as a and, character. As, as a character. In the same way as you like Eric as a character. Uh, Eric. <laughs> Oh, like, it's when it's my birthday very, it's just that they're very very sexy it's that their characters are also very good and that yes. goes together with their sexiness well and when it's my birthday my facebook is just it's littered scum. with eric gifts yeah yeah <laughs> i should, I should remember that <laughs> do yeah yeah. No, yeah i think she's brilliant and uh i also she was the main reason i started watching daredevil which i probably wouldn't have normally oh, bothered because i don't like superheroes and Daredevil's actually really good. Um, and, yeah, she's in that. Right. As, as the sort of girlfriend thing, I think. Is she a girlfriend? I can't remember. Anyway, I've never seen that either. Daredevil. You were, you were like <laughs> if, if, if superheroes were like Daredevil and Gotham, i.e. there weren't superheroes in them, I'd probably like them. <laughs> That's a small caveat. Start, well, no, it's when they start putting their pants on outside their tights. I'm just like, shit. I do just, any of them do that anymore? They do. Well, you know what I mean. But I remember, I remember watching. <laughs> I remember watching. I remember. I remember coming out of the cinema yeah. watching The Dark Knight, and and loads of people were raving about it. And I just was like, it was good. Like I, I like the terrorists and all that, and the, the explosions and the plot. I just did not get that idiot who wore a bat costume. 
It was just silly. I am an idiot. Yes. <laughs> silly Christian, Christian Bailey. <laughs> Christian Bailey impresses everyone. <laughs> I loved the Honest trailer uh, well, the, the, they did the a few best. years ago, oh, where um, <laughs> that it was before Batman vs Superman came out, and they had a shot of Chris, of um, Ben Affleck, and you know where he goes. Tell me, do you bleed? They overdubbed it with, tell me, is my Batman voice better than Christian Bale's? <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to black and he goes, it's got to be right. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just, I couldn't, I, I, I feel, with those movies, I know we're really off topic now, but I really felt like I was watching other films that everyone else seemed to be watching because Christian Bale's voice was awful. The films were turgid. And I was, I've, I've hardly ever been so bored in the cinema. Turgid. Just I am watching with those bloody films. They're so I, shit. So I boring. don't like The Dark Knight as much as people rave about it, but Batman, Batman Begins is great. I don't think we can ever make it ent- entirely relevant yeah. to this podcast, but you know, it's uh, an interesting uh, chat Batman to have Begins, sometimes. He, he, kung fu, he kung fu's his way halfway across Nepal from after the film. It's so boring. I just, I, just, I just don't go for serious superhero films. Best superhero films are really off topic here. For me, tonally, are Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies because they feel fun. You buy, you buy that there's a man in a costume, and the action sequences are incredible. Okay. Yeah, as soon as they tip over into thinking they're serious, then I just yeah. And this I just know this is my whole problem with I know seriously off topic, but my whole problem with with the uh, DC movies generally versus sure. the Marvel yeah. ones is they just take themselves far too seriously. Yeah, they're, they're just—they're no, no fun, no. are they? Uh, yeah. But, but I find I find the Marvel movies endless as well. I just I'm with I'm with uh, with Scorsese and where Michael Keaton's complaining, trying to get actors. Um, have you seen Birdman? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The Birdman when he's trying to get actors to be in his play, and he's like, "What about what about Jenna? <laughs> no, he's he's in a Marvel movie." Everyone's in a fucking cage, <laughs> and it's so <laughs> true. It's just like it's like everyone's everyone's in these shit films that just never end, and and I can't stand them. Like I'm with Martin Scorsese. Well, no, I love them. I I I, I thought we're, we're going. This is going to be a real rabbit hole to go down. So let's not go down it. I just want to say I felt very lonely in 2004 when I was the only person on the planet who hated Spider-Man Two. And I felt very lonely in 2006. And I am still the only person on the planet who likes Superman Returns. So, you know, I don't claim to have any kind of reliable Someone opinion. Someone has to, Dan. Superman Returns, I didn't mind. And also, we haven't had a clang. So I got to interview, uh, <laughs> I got to interview uh, the man who shall not be named, who plays Lex Luthor in that movie. Oh, and, right. and the director who shall not be named. It's like they have been cancelled. We will not name them. Yes, yes, yeah. So, so yeah. I... what's the opposite of clang? Yeah, it's like a like a Christopher Nolan like reverse sound effect. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> we'll draw that anvil. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got a few minutes left. Yes. But yeah. Uh, and anything else anybody would like to say about True Blood while we watch it? Yeah. yeah. Watch I'm it. I'm very interested to it. see what they would do with a reboot. Yes, but or if it's, mm. does is it possible that they'll carry it on? Don't know. I hope so. It's like, an interesting it world. No, no, I don't, no I, well, not n- no. Mm, mm. 
I mean, when I say carry it <laughs> no. on, I mean any, anything in the same world. I think, I think the in the same world, place, yes, absolutely. Really I good. think same world, yeah, but they can't carry on. They can't pick up no. where they left off no. because no. no, not easily. No, I, I, I do love the whole. I do love. I mean, I imagine what they could do if they don't make it sucky, because it starts. Sucky. <laughs> sucky. Um, <laughs> sucky. Oh, start okay. sounding like Cookie Monster. Sucky <laughs> <Sorky. laughs> <Sorky> Monster. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> oh dear. Before you break this podcast, Ian. Yes, yeah, yeah. Make the point you were going to make. Sorry, I'm now just in a mime of eating Anna Paquin's hot pants. Um, um, oh my um, god! Turn your Stop camera the off. images that we're that. putting into our <laughs> listeners' brains. Um, uh, <laughs> dear, oh dear. I, I was in the middle of saying something. Yeah, so so they set they set the sort of everyone coming out of the coffin, and it's a few years after it happened. So they could almost like Fear the Walking Dead. The really good thing about Fear the Walking Dead is you have that opener and there's a zombie in it and then he and you're like, oh my God, it's zombies again. And then you go outside and it's like, society's still there. And it's, it's pre, and it, and so it's, pre-apocalypse. So in, yeah, in Fear the Walking Dead, it's brilliant because it's like, here's the shock. Mm-hmm. This is before the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a different thing, obviously, but you could have maybe the years before well, that, yeah. you know, we see the announcement well, of yeah. them. The story yeah. of the emergence will be very interesting. Yeah. So again, if HBO, if you are listening, that's what we want yeah. to happen. Maybe, yeah. But also, <laughs> also you can set it. So, also, you can set it. Basically, like Walking Dead does. Event Fear the Walking Dead does eventually is you have you have the same you have the same characters, the same scenario, but through different characters. <laughs> So ultimately, Fear the Walking Dead just becomes, can you survive a zombie apocalypse? It's exactly the same, but it's I can. <laughs> but it's slightly different characters. So you could have, if people came out of the coffin, how is this different somewhere else on Earth or somewhere else in America or with different characters in mm. different situations? Because Suki and the, you know, living on the Bayou okay. is a very specific kind of place. So... Yeah. What else? What else could you, you know, where, what, how, how is coming out of the coffin? There's you know, loads you could do, surely. So. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, they'll do yeah. something imaginative with it. But um, part, part of me thinks what they'll do is they'll cast somebody else as Sucky Stackhouse and they'll just do it again, mm. which would be a bit dull. And yeah. Anna Paquin, who's already been rebooted once when she was in the X-Men films and they pointlessly started making more X-Men films with younger versions of the characters when the original versions were all still around, will go, has this happened to me again? It's that damn southern accent. I can never <laughs> have success when I do the southern accent. Although the one she does in True Blood is so much better than the one mm-hmm. she used in the X-Men films. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I think that that wraps us up on True Blood. Then um, mm-hmm. I hope our enthusiasm has communicated to the listeners. Sucky. <laughs> One more sucky for the road. Now, as has become a weekly tradition on this podcast, it's time for a quick phone call and check in with our friend Howard, as we discuss a film drawn at random from the Bag of Death. 
Hello everybody, welcome back to The Bag of Death. This is our segment where Howard and I rummage in The Bag of Death, which contains all the English language horror films that the two of us have both seen over the years. Maybe not recently, maybe not often. We never know exactly what's going to emerge from it and what we're going to be called to talk about for 10 to 15 minutes without any preparation. Hello, Howard. Hello. Are you all right? I'm very well. I'm very excited, as always, at this point. Yes, so, so my, I can barely contain myself. Okay, wonderful. Let's hear the rummaging. It's not a sound effect. It's real. Um, and I've, I, I'm, I'm probing the bag. Oh. And I've found something. It is emerging. What is this? It is. A British film. Oh, good. But a quite recent one. Ghost Stories. Ah. So, now this is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, well, this 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 makes perfect sense because we, we wanted to talk about this on the podcast. Uh, but then we were not doing the podcast at the time, so it didn't really work. Um, but but we have... I know I knew we'd both seen it and, it, and it's about time we got to chat about it. So, um... Uh, Howard, I think I'll let you say first what what you what you think and remember because um, uh, well I know what I want to say but I, I don't think I've heard your opinion. The reason I said it was interesting is because the first time I saw this film, after I'd seen it all, I mean I thought the individual parts of it were really scary. I thought that the scene with Paul Whitehouse where he's the light watchman in the building, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. Was pretty scary. And then I the 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 episode with the boy driving through the woods, I thought was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I, really, I, I, I was really, so I was kind of on the edge of my seat. That I, 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 I don't think I felt that scared watching a film for a long time. Yeah, I, I have to say that I agree with you when I saw it at the cinema that those parts really got to me as well. I just want to quickly say, I think we are going to have spoilers um, because it's probably going to be quite difficult to discuss this one without them. So for listeners who haven't seen the film or have never seen the play of Ghost Stories, um, skip forward 10, 15 minutes, because we're probably going to ruin it for you. Um, although we'll try not to, but it might be unavoidable. So continue, Howard. Yes, so I thought, you know, it was so scary so and, and really well made and really effective and, and just <laughs> genuinely kind of unnerving and, and, and disturbing and, and scary. It was scary. It was really scary. But what bothered me the first time I saw it, and I have seen it again, and I changed my opinion, but the first time I saw it, when it all turned out to be uh, an illusion that he was in a hospital bed and this was all going on in his head and it wasn't real, the first time I saw it, I felt slightly disappointed by that. I thought, oh... It didn't happen. These people who seemed to be in such jeopardy and I was so involved with and I was so scared on their behalf, they, they weren't in that situation. They weren't in that danger. They weren't having these experiences. It's all, it's all you know, just um, inside his imagination. Um, and I felt that the first time I was slightly disappointed. Sure. That, oh, was it kind of, oh, it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I got so caught up in it and it wasn't happening. The second time I watched it, when I knew what the ending was going to be, I enjoyed it much more. I still found it scary. I still found the first episode with Paul Whitehouse really scary. The second one was still terrifying. I can't, if you've not seen those stories, I might mark as well, he saw it. I recommended to him and he saw it. And he, he 
thought the same. He thought, that was bloody terrifying, that scene where he's driving through the woods. Mm. And of course, when you do know what the twist at the end is, then the things make sense. Because I did think the first time I watched it, I thought, why is he driving through the woods? Why have we suddenly... Why is his house so weird? When when the... What's his name? Andy Nyman is the the actor. When he goes to the boy's house, why is it all so strange? And why his parents not there? And why... But I I, kind of didn't think about too much about it. I was just getting caught up in the actual... And when the actual thing happened where he was driving through the woods and he gets out and he hears the voices, I... Jesus Christ. I mean, it was. It was terrifying. I don't think I've been that scared by films since the Blair Witch Project. And I saw the Blair Witch Project in the cinema, where things I think are scary anyway. I was mm. watching this at home, watching it on the sofa. And yet I was, you know, I could, when I finished watching it, I turned all the lights on and I was going to bed. I thought, this, you know, <laughs> I wrote, my heart was kind of... Um, but the second time I watched it, I, I liked it much more when I knew what the twist was. Mm. And it kind of made a lot more sense. And, and I sort of realised why it was his guilt about... Um, the boy going on, to, in, on, you know, in the tunnel and everything, and, yeah, and yeah. it, it yeah, I, I understand what it's happening now. It's sort of the first time was a more kind of visceral thing. It was just scary, but the second time, I, yes, I, I, I understand the story now, and it's making more sense. And you know, I so I, I my problems with it the first time, I have now, I, I've forgotten those. I, I think it's a really great film now, right. uh, and it doesn't matter because it was scary. However, we're supposed to scare you, so even if you don't like the ending which I do now, but even if you don't, those those individual stories are still terrifying, so it still works. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, I mean, I have talked to friends like Steve Timms, who was on a couple of our Halloween episodes, who said That's that they, they, they found the, um, the in some of the individual stories a bit weak, um, which I, I would say maybe they are, they, you know, particularly the middle one, is more like a set piece than a full story. You know, you'd, you'd find it a bit thin. If what, the, the it, driving the car? Yeah. I but, thought that was the best one. Well, I mean, it, it, it is great, but 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 as I think if you, rem- would you, if you removed that sequence from this film and just had it as a, a bit on its own, would you find it satisfying? Um, I think I would. Well, okay. Well, I mean... Way, I thought that was genuinely... It, it is it is really frightening, um, yeah. and so is the Paul Whitehouse one, um, yeah. and, and so is the 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 third one as well. To be honest, they're all really frightening. Um, yeah. I I should say I've only seen this film once. I actually own it on DVD, and I've never got round to watching it. Um, but I saw it at the cinema with our friend Sean Mason, um, who talked to us about Star Wars on our upcoming Star Wars episode. Um, and we were both absolutely petrified by it. And he made the observation that he found the the ending satisfying because ultimately it's what the statement being made is that um, you know they do all they they do pretty much they cover the gamut of scary things in the first three stories, kind of cliche, scary cliche horror things, but they do them so well um, that it's absolutely bone chilling. But then, what I, like the, what I like about the first two stories is there's no special effects. Yeah, yeah, it's all dread. Yeah, and with photography and everything, and, and just with the performances. The third one has a kind of ghosty figure coming out the cot and everything, but yeah, it's yeah. still scary. But the first two, it just seemed so real, you know. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did, and when he was phoning up the um, AA and everything, I no, I just, <laughs> I was bloody, yeah, I was petrified. I was, right. I was scared. That's great. I mean, no, that's what we want. And um, I think that is fantastic. Um, 
Uh, as I was saying, um, Sean's analysis of the ending was that they they ultimately come to the conclusion that all those things are scary in context or, um, and fun scary as well, but nothing is truly horrifying like the idea of being trapped in your own body. Um, yeah. and, and, and what the ending does is convey that sense of horror and that sense of sadness and also being trapped by your own guilt, being yes. unable to escape your past kind of thing. Very powerful emotion. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I and, that, yeah. <laughs> and in in a way, I'd I'd like to watch it again um, to see if I would still stand by this. But because you're, you're saying that you found the individual stories satisfying, I yes, found I, on I, first viewing, I found them all a bit open ended, but in such a way that w- was um, justified by the overall ending of the film, which did, tied everything find, together. I, I, I did find the endings of them kind of very vague and they just sort of stopped. Yeah. But I didn't mind because I'd been scared by them. So I thought, well, it's worked. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and at the end, there will be an explanation perhaps of why they suddenly stop and what happens to, to these people and everything. And, and uh, But I was, I, but I, I thought, well, a horror film is supposed to scare you and it scared me. So it's, it's done its job. The only thing I could say the first time I watched it is that I knew that the Scottish bloke was Martin Freeman in makeup. I didn't know that he was Martin Freeman, but I knew that it was someone in makeup. It's, I, I, it's, tell, I could just tell it was Martin Freeman, so I thought, well, there's yeah. that's going to be something. He's going to reveal himself, so that's going to be some kind of twist at the end. But I, I didn't know that it was all going to be... I didn't know the, the twist, the big twist, that it was all in his imagination. He was in hospital bed, he's trying to commit suicide and everything, and it was just... So I, I, I didn't know that. And I actually, the, the second time I watched it, I, the scene where the boy goes in the tunnel, mm. uh, uh, that kind of affected me much more the second time. Right. Around, real, like, the emotional kind of... And um, yes, the whole sense of guilt that he felt about that. Although it did annoy me that the two boys who did it got away. I mean, they just ran off. And what happened to them? Yeah, yeah. They should be, you know, cut in half by lift wires or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go under the ice. But um, so, yeah, so so I liked it. And I, I kind of, I, I because I knew, I think I enjoyed it the second time more because I knew what the twist was and I, I could see what, how each individual story was leading up to that and I could enjoy it more and I, I could watch it less, you know, I get more involved in it, perhaps more involved in the kind of the, the story, the, the Andy Nyman's character story. Yeah. Whereas the first time I watched it, I was just watching it just as like a horror film. So I, would, I certainly think it's a, it's a terrific film. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, when I watched it the first time, I had no idea who Andy Nyman was. Did you? Not really, no. I think, had he been in the film, oh, what's it called, where they all go to Eastern Europe and get killed off? Tim in it, and uh, is he in that? In, um, I don't think, do you mean Hostel? No, 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 it's, it's a, it's a, it's a British film, they all go to Eastern Europe, and they're all like, in the, and they're killed by, there's some soldiers or something, is it, oh, it's, all right. it's, not, it's got a one word title, I can't think what it is now, but it's, um. Uh, Tim McInerney's in it and an American actress called Laura Harris is in it right no it's not ringing any bells at all the one word title I saw it once and they all get killed off by these kind of Bosnian mercenaries or something I don't know. Uh, and it's pretty brutal it's pretty gruesome but mm. I think he's in that I mean he's, he's a writer isn't he as well and he's a sort of well he well co-wrote as... and co-directed the film because, uh, and, and because it is based on the play that he co-wrote with Jeremy Dyson of the of the League of Gentlemen, um, so those two 
um, adapted it for the cinema, and they very much view the film as a separate entity from the play, because the play is like a famously confidential West End hit, you know, um, you are implored not to tell anybody any details about it if you've seen it. Um, the only person I know who has seen it is our friend Kirsty, and she won't tell me anything about it, and 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 won't watch the film because she doesn't want the film to tarnish the image of the the play, which was such a powerful experience for well, is her. Is the play like the film? Because how, do they do the Paul Whitehouse well, scene? In the Whitehouse? I I assume that. Uh, some of it might have changed a lot, but I think there are certain things that you can see that I'm assuming are theatrical devices that they've translated to film. So the fact that the, the, the Paul Whitehouse character is in disguise as the bloke and then pulls the rubber mask off, yeah. that's there, I think, because they'd have to do that on stage. Whereas yeah. if, if you were doing that twist on film without having previously done it on stage you you, you might do something else like use two different actors and, yeah. and switch between them or something but you can't do that in the theatre I also think the bit where um, uh, you know the, the kind of the upright hospital bed rises up behind Andy Nyman and he's yeah. kind of drawn into it and then and then it um, descends with him on it that's a kind of theatrical effect isn't it so yes. you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's there's probably a lot of it which is from the play, but the details of the individual stories may have changed. I don't, I don't know. Well, I like to see the play, but the film works. And it's, yeah. it's like when he's at the beginning, where his his job is to sort of expose phony psychics and everything. I thought, yeah. is that the way it's going to go? You know, sort of are these psychics going to get their own back or something else? I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know how it was. Yeah. yeah. I, which way it's going to go, but I just thought the individual stories themselves were really, you know, because we watched all the Amicus anthology films, yeah, and we're kind of used to that sort of standard, which is perhaps is, you know, great, but not all that great. But um, great fun, <laughs> but yeah, not scary as these these stories were. Kind of um, no, this was genuinely scary. Like I say, I don't remember being as scared by a film for a very long time yeah, and I, yeah. I thought well here's, here's a film that's terrifying people but it's not using special effects it's not about blood and it's not about gore and it's everything it's just about creepiness it's just about spookiness it's just about yeah, people walking around in the dark and not knowing what's going to happen it's less creeping people. and it's full of dread yeah yeah, yeah. again it's, it's atmosphere yeah. an atmosphere uh, and that's what's scary. It's not seeing some stomach ripped open. That's not scary. That's just shocking for a second. But walking around in the dark and hearing strange noises and not knowing what's happening, that's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, that's another one that I really want to watch again. I'm glad I haven't. Um, I'm glad to hear that you did go back to it and, and revise your opinion about it because I, I think I did have an idea that you were not entirely impressed with it. Um, but... Well, I wasn't entirely. I was entirely impressed with the film up to the ending. Yeah. The twist. Watching it again, I am now entirely impressed with the whole thing. Right, that's wonderful. I understand the ending now, and I kind of realise what it was and everything. And, and well, what I, I did find out about Andy Nyman that I was impressed by, and I now follow him on Twitter, and I love his work, is that his first. He's he's been an actor in TV and film. For thirty odd years, his first TV role was in Nigel Neal's version of The Woman in Black in in a really small role, um, and but because he's 
he later collaborated a lot with Darren Brown and he's very kind of interested in the overlap between theatre and, and magic and stuff, which is what gave rise to ghost stories. Um, and because he, he'd known the League of Gentlemen, um, including Jeremy Dyson for, for years and years. Um, and, and, and this kind of grew out of their shared kind of passionate interest in, in, in ghost stories and horror and things. And they just thought we could do something that, that combines all these. Um, and in fact, if you buy the DVD now of Nigel Neal's version of The Woman in Black, Andy Nyman is on the commentary. With, with Mark Gatiss and um, Mark Gatiss gets everywhere. Yeah, Mark Gatiss he, does get everywhere. <laughs> bless him. Oh, bless him! Yeah, he's great. I love his documentaries and Yeah, but yeah. He, ubiquitous. No, I I love hearing him talk about horror and stuff. So uh, it's it's yeah, great when he gets yeah. on a commentary of of something like that. Um, oh no, that's fantastic! So basically, um, anybody who's not seen the film. Uh, ghost stories will have stopped listening by now because we told them to um, uh, but uh, they, they might have gone over and, and watched it and um, I think it might possibly be still on the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer as, as we record this. It's on BBC 2 but the two times, no you lent me the DVD didn't you? Yes One I time. did, yeah. But I also watched it on BBC 2 as well, maybe yeah. the second time I watched it when it was on BBC 2 I thought like, I'll give it another go uh, and I'm glad I did because and it was still scary it was still a scare, almost as scary the second time as it was the first time, even though I knew what was going to happen. And then you were, um, but I just, and maybe because of that, I, I could then kind of embrace the story more. Yeah. Uh, Andy Nyman can understand that uh, character more and everything. So no, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think if people can make horror films as good as that now, they should be making them more often. Yeah. You know? And ho- hopefully, you know, more will come from that direction because, there's clearly a, a great amount of expertise. It was not a very expensive film. Um, no. I, th- I think it was co-funded by Screen Yorkshire, but it really shows what can be done with limited resources. It does have an absolutely wonderful musical score um, yes. and and sound design and things like that. It's it's done with real skill and passion, and um, I would love. Uh, to watch it again. I'd also say that I get the impression that if you have seen the film, it probably won't ruin the play, so I'd love to see the play. Um, yeah, that's the play. I think the, the two sound sufficiently different. Um, yeah, in fact, maybe that's the way to see it, to see the, the, the film first and then watch the play. Um, but anyway, so, well, that sounds like two thumbs up as such for ghost stories. Oh, definitely. That's my, Right, brilliant. Um, mine, mine are both up, definitely. So, um, so that is the bag of death for another week. Thank you very much, Howard. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed talking about that film. Yeah. Right. Who knows what will be next? Let's find out next time. Uh, before we we completely wrap up for this week, have we got recommendations? We yes. want to to present to people mm-hmm. go Kirsty. um so i'd like to recommend on bbc sounds um daisy johnson's um ghost anthology slightly linked series called hotel which is our very short kind of ghost stories are based around uh, a hotel in the kind of 
Norfolk Fens. Um, each episode is uh, kind of narrated by a different um, female performer, so including Maxine Peake, Juliet Stevenson, Anne-Marie Duff. Um, they're very, very short, very affecting. Um, and yeah, they're just very, very lovely. Right. It, it sounds tough. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Stella, did you have something you wanted to recommend this week? No, because I've not watched anything. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> in, in a week. <laughs> I've just been working, so um, uh, no. Oh, oh well. I mean, to be <laughs> oh, well. honest, this, I think, Ian, you, 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 you don't have anything either. Um, oh, um, well, I, so we're gonna... I, I mean, I watched a, I watched a, I had to review um, the new Tom Hanks movie on Netflix, and I gave it nine out of ten. Wow. I loved it. Um, the no, uh, News of the World. Um, not it's, horror. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not a horror at all, no. But it's just weird because I then went, oh, I just need to go and find out the cast. So I just googled, and then so many of the reviews were horrible. Like, like the Guardian gave it two stars, and I was a bit Thanks. like, did I just watch the same film? And, and then, <laughs> luckily, people like Mark Komodo have made it for their film of the week, so I'm not mad. Ah. But it is just they have to... Not mad, right. Yeah, so I'm not mad. <laughs> like, as in, quite a lot of people have really loved it, and quite a lot of people have hated it. But it's not a horror, so we're not allowed to talk well, about my... it. Well, but it is. It is a very nice... It's yeah. a very, very good two-and-a-half-hour maybe dad-friendly, dad-friendly Western. Say, is it the, the critical treatment of it is the horror. Yes. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, we all get a frisson of, of fear from yes. from thinking of the Guardian review. Um, yeah, they, they no, murdered it. Good. No, a good uh, western is is always a good thing in my book. I'm just gonna, at, at risk of making this a bit of a slightly dull uh, recommendation section for the listener, I'm gonna re-recommend something I recommended the other week. Um, which is Neil Jordan's Byzantium on Amazon Prime. And the reason I'm recommending mm. it again is because when I listened back to that podcast, I remember, Kirsty, you saying to me, you're really not selling this, Dan. And uh, <laughs> I really wasn't. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Let's it again. Try again. Because <laughs> it's another vampire thing. And even though it is flawed... Uh, well, actually, it was because of something else that kind of threw it into a nice light for me. Um, I've been listening, as was my recommendation last week, to the podcast Sour Hole, which I'll speak about in more detail once I've finished listening to it. But it's a kind of social realist horror piece, and it made me realise the danger of um, kind of paying too much attention to the realist atmosphere and, and, and the naturalistic characterizations to the extent that the horror aspect of the story seems to become... It seems like it doesn't fit anymore. Um, and Byzantium, which is, yeah, a social realist vampire movie, um, it kind of skillfully avoids that. I do remember there being half an hour in it where I forgot I was watching a vampire movie because it seemed to be um, a movie about... Uh, Gemma Arterton and um, Sorcerer Ronan swanning around Brighton and Gemma Arterton <laughs> makes money by setting up uh, impromptu uh, brothels in, in, in places they come to um, and, and and I was I just it was, so it was like a, a quite sinister drama about um, 
the kind of sad people, the sad guys that they would exploit and the savvy way that they conducted themselves. But then after about half an hour, I thought, wait a minute, aren't they supposed to be vampires? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and But then the film does take a turn away from that and it does some quite imaginative things. It's one of those vampire movies where they've come up with a whole new kind of mythological background for where vampires came from and what they are and how they work. And there are some really striking visuals. Like, uh, I won't spoil it at all, but the way you have to become a vampire in this film is not like any other movie and results in visuals that, that... and not like any other movie. In fact, if anything, it reminded me of Hannibal, the TV series, Kirsty. Just oh, there's this. Oh, not me, not me, not me. It wasn't well, Kirsty. We've got to keep up this tradition, though. Well, so. yeah, but oh, no. yeah. I was gonna, so, I was, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> no, it, and it, it, it's really, it's really well made and and interesting and thoughtful and and moving. So, um, I'm going to repeat that recommendation. It's still on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, go see. Actually, cool. Battersea, the Battersea Poltergeist. Yes. I keep forgetting. Have I have oh, I recommended yeah. that yeah. already? I've no, I've been listening to that really as well. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's still really good. It's kind of it's not finished yet, no. is it? It's like coming out once a week. But yeah, and it is based on a real thing, is it? Or yeah. they just no, no, it is. It's a it's a docudrama, so yeah. it's a real thing, real case. It's uh, it's 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 diff- what's the name? Differna Laura of a. Out of uh, Lyra, da- da- yeah, Daphne Keane, and it's also Daphne got, uh, uh, yeah, not 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 yet friend of the podcast, but uh, Alice Lowe, no. um, but maybe one day friend of the podcast. <laughs> it's one sh- surely, it's a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's it's got a great cast, but then it's got a documentary element yeah. as well. And I remember again, good. It just sounds a bit like the uh, about the Enfield haunting. Yeah, and, and then, then they mention uh, the Enfield. Oh, and then they they actually mention the Enfield haunting. Because yeah. it is, like the yeah, yeah. hunting, twenty years before, so it's uh, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, and it that is horror. Yeah, that is horror. Yeah, and uh, just as a final thing, one thing that reminded me, two stars from the Guardian was Alan Ball's last TV outing, which oh. was here and now. Oh, is that? Um, so I've not seen, I've not seen it, but it's kind of made me want to go and watch it. But the uh, the right wingers called it liberal tosh, and pain, and it was called painfully woke by the Guardian. <laughs> Um, oh dear. So, so <laughs> the, Guardian seems, the Guardian seems to get it so wrong so often now. Ever since Three Stars for Chernobyl, yeah, I, I've lost. All, yeah, that's, that's anyway. I've lost all oh, faith in the Guardians. Anyway, <laughs> Guardians thing. Anyway, anyway lots of recommendations this week, though. Anyway, yes. so we do, we done all right. Well, look, it's been marvelous fun as always. Stella, Kirsty, Ian. We talked about True Blood, and I'm going to go away and watch some more of it. That, that is within Mission my power. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Enjoy. Some of our listeners will do so too. Yes. Listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Next week, it's going to be a very exciting episode. We're interviewing Stephen Volk, the, the guy who's terrified us by writing such things as Ghost Watch, Afterlife, and The Awakening, among many other things. And he's going to be discussing his brand new book. So come back to learn all about that. See you next week, everybody. Bye bye. 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 <laughs> you have been listening to. And now the podcast starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Kirsty Warrow, T.D. Velasquez, Stella Gaynor, Ian Winterton, and Howard Whittock. 
Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at And Now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash And Now Podcast. And now the podcast stops. <laughs>